Welcome back to the Hard Not Complicated podcast. I am Aaron Reese, as always. And today you're going to be hearing from Jess Critchlow, who is a team dynamics coach. Uh, we're going to be talking about what it means to love what you do, why you should love what you do, and why we should care about that stuff. And well, it's one of my favorite interviews so far, so I hope you enjoy it. For today's brief exercise, before we go into the, the discussion, one of the things that comes up during this discussion is the question of how difficult it is to ask for what you want. And part of what's behind that is knowing what you want, really understanding uh, what it is that you need from your work, from your life to be happy. This relates to creativity in a lot of ways because creativity requires us to really look deep and we talk about the creative mindset or, or baseline that I, that I like to characterize it as and that requires you to be present, it requires you to have clarity and also to accept what you find. So for today, the exercise I'd like to leave you with revolves around that it revolves around being able to see and understand what it is you really want and we mentioned it in the in the conversation it's called the five whys exercise and you probably have heard of this before you may not have applied it um, in uh, in great detail if there is something that is making you unhappy or bothering you and if you can respond to that with a, well, I want X, or I need X, then what I'd like you to do is go five whys deep. You've got to think, I want A. Why do you want A? Because A is B. Okay, well, why is it B? And so on and so forth. Really try and get to the bottom of that. If you feel that you are stretching a bit, then that's that's a sign that you need to reflect more on what you really want. And you can apply the same method. So if there isn't right now something you, you really want out of life uh, or out of work, you can apply the same method, the five wise method, to understanding the nature of a problem. So that's today's exercise, focusing on understanding what you want by applying the five wise technique. And I might add as a bonus to this, sit, meditate, think. Um, there is nothing like allowing the noise of life to quieten down to help you hear the the background. Uh, so there's two things for you now. So one, ask yourself the five whys about something in your life. And two, try and sit and meditate for a few minutes and, uh, and see what comes to you. Jess Critchlow, welcome to the Hard Not Complicated podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Now, Jess is a work coach. Uh, we recently met at, what was it, the, the um, it was, uh, uh, My HR Careers evening? Yes, My HR Careers evening. Yes, that's, that's what right. it was. And uh, and we, we met, I believe, in the line for the toilet. <laughs> Which, great networking tip, it's by the, the way. Best I'm place. using that. I'm using that with clients. So you anyways. just stand there. Everyone has to go. <laughs> and do you know what the, probably the best thing about that is? Probably the best thing is that uh, people who've had a few too many of the free complimentary wines, um, they're even more likely to end up in the <laughs> line for the toilet. So people at that point are relaxed 
and probably ready to agree to do all sorts it's of weird very, things. That's a very good point. Um, yeah, I like that. Yep. And by weird things, I don't mean weird things in the toilet. I just mean <laughs> weird in general in terms of you know, helping you in your career. So, um, <laughs> so you know, you, you're you're basically placing yourself at, at the point where people are going to be just when they're not expecting a a sort of out of the blue request for someone to appear on a podcast or or some other such uh, such such thing. Um, and uh, and so there you go. That's where we met. And you are a work coach. Yes. Uh, you are a. You said team dynamics facilitator is yes. is the phrase. Now I'm going to yes. come back to ask you a bit about what that means in a moment. Um, and you are a founder slash co-founder of two businesses. Yeah, I stay busy. Yeah, founder uh, of one, yes, founder co-founder of one, of another. co-founder of another. That's okay. right. So the one you're a founder of and the one that I knew about before is called Light Up Work. Yes. And this is all about loving what you do. Yes, it it is, and and it's it's shifted because what I, so, so I'll give you my my quick spiel of, of mm. both of my babies. So mm. the the company that I'm a co-founder of is called Thank God It's Monday, mm. and we're the Thank God It's Monday tribe, and it's, you know, for um, to give you the five second overview, it it is about working with individuals, um, to really help them find a job that exactly what it sounds like they want to go to on Monday. It's not like, oh my God, this is terrible. It's Sunday at 9 p.m. I like, this is the worst moment of my week. You know, it's something that they're excited about and that's internal and external work. And and so that's, that's really with the individual. Mm, okay. And the work I do with my solo venture, which is light up work, is the flip side of that, which is working with leaders and teams and, and people in a position to influence the environment side. So actually what, what do our offices or our, you know, or you know, whatever setting need to be like so that people can enjoy what they do, so that we can get out of these amazing, intelligent, grown-ups way so that they can be motivated and enjoy coming in and, and do good stuff. Okay, so essentially everything you do seems to be about love. Absolutely. You are you are the the cupid of of the business world. <laughs> oh so well, that is brilliant. That is yes, that is me floating <laughs> around with your bow and arrow of 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 uh, of, of of job satisfaction, <laughs> yeah. um, shooting people uh, in in. Yeah, whilst they're not looking. Is you it? got it. You <laughs> got it. That's well, the deal. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's a fantastic thing to be. That's a fantastic thing to be. And and presumably, so so okay. I not that this this podcast isn't about um, business strategy, right. but uh, but it is interesting that these two things uh, seem to be a bit of a pincer movement. Um, so on the one hand, you kind of. If, yeah, okay, let's, let's, if I were being a like, you know, seriously cynical business strategy head, okay, so what are you going to do with, thank God it's Monday, you're going to um, make people you know, really sort of agitated about you know, their, their work and how they don't love it enough and realise, hey, I should love it, and they get, they get all uh, going on that one. And then the other side of it, the light up work, say, oh, have your employees recently started uh, going on about how much they're not happy about their work? Well, you know, I can help you with that. And you can, so you're, you're basically creating wow. the demand for your other work. I didn't realize I was such a business genius, but yes, it turns out I am doing that. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly it. It's, yeah. it's, it's cynical and, and wonderful. And here I thought I was an idealist. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe it is idealistic. Um, and, and team dynamics facilitator. Yes. So those are three good words in an interesting yeah. arrangement. Tell me, yeah. what, are, what is that? What does that mean? 
Well, it's, and let me clarify, what a shit title. But but until I come <laughs> up with something better, that's got to be it. So, so I think it's quite good. I don't oh, think I think it sounds a bit like corporate, corporate schmarmy mm, stuff. A little bit corporate yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the, the, the concept of it, I think, is pretty cool. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be doing it. So what that means is... Um, and there's a lot of there's a lot of you know resources out there and stuff on this that proves it's not just in my head. But I am a firm believer, both in experience and in my education, that it's not like the sum, um, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Like so, it's great if we work with you know, and you hear all these executives who have coaches, and you know, high potentials who have coaches, and or you know, people who are struggling and hire hire a life coach, and yet the system that they're in remains unchanged and individuals can absolutely have an impact on that system and yet they're not the sole impact and so what a sort of team dynamics facilitator team dynamics coach is is working with that system itself so the whether that's a team a small team an organization or something in between what is what is the the whole that is greater than the sum of the parts what's going on in that system and what are the threads that maybe we need to pull or tweak um, to make the system itself happier more engaged more productive more effective more efficient and that's and that's the work that we do and um, and you know, as much as we talk about uh, the system as its own thing, which it is, uh, the only way to get at that system is the individuals in it. And so mm-hmm. that's where you you do work with the team um, as a whole and really get under the skin of what's going on in this team, in this system, and what do we need to do differently? Okay. So can you give me an example of that? I'm springing this on yeah. you because I, I didn't ask no, you to prepare an example. But uh, <laughs> not for people who, who maybe for whom this is a, uh, perhaps a more of an alien concept, what's what's yeah. what's been what's a typical example of how that so works? So a really good and this is a corporate example. So apologies to all of you who find this example boring. But um, a typical example is you've got a lead, and it's often actually triggered by a leader. Often purely because they're in a position of influence, and so they'll come and say, "Right, I've got this team." We, we all get along, we all like each other, we get in a room, we have our team meetings, we agree what everyone's meant to do, and then nothing happens. And we get back together the next week and we all say we didn't do our actions, then we get back together again and still nothing has happened. There's just no real, true sort of commitment and productivity. And so what, what a typical kind of intervention would be, and it, it doesn't, you know, I'm just making this up off the top of my head because, you know, a typical intervention would be, right, let's do an audit. So let's actually, I will sit and have a confidential interview with each member of that team, um, understand what's really going on, look at the trust levels, the productive conflict, look at what's really going on from an individual perspective, and then we'll get the team together. And we'll start looking at what are the rules of engagement? How do we hold each other accountable? How do we actually design how this team works together um, in practical terms? And so it brings things to the surface that actually we don't normally do. Mm. You know, we have side conversations of like, oh, did you see Bob? He was really shitty in that meeting today. <laughs> and, and then that's it. And then that's, that energy stays in that team, but it's never dealt with. And so that's the kind of thing we surface and then actually very practical, practical terms decide now how are we going to engage differently. Mm. Is that it's still a little bit, you know, I mean, I guess so if I follow on the example of the people not committing to things. So, you know, easy enough would be they have um, they have one person who's designated in every team meeting to uh, 
you know, be the accountability person. Um, you know, another good example is if you find um, maybe what we root cause is people aren't doing things because they actually don't agree with it. They just don't have productive conflict. They just kind of say, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do that. Meanwhile, they were never intending on it. Yeah. So maybe there's someone in the room each meeting who their designated role is to challenge everything. So if someone says, I'm going to commit to it, it's challenge it. Are you sure? Well, what else could we do instead of that? And to, to bring some of those things out. So it's some of those little practical things that make a really big difference. Yeah, absolutely. What's really interesting there is is the sort of move, uh, presumably there's a consciousness raising element of this where you're yeah. saying you have a team of individuals who are quite naturally well is it the the fundamental attribution error have you heard of this it's yes. um it's it's one of my favorite errors um it's uh, it's 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 the <laughs> idea that people look at someone else and yeah. rather than seeing what they do in the context of what what they're you know where they are they attribute what they're doing to to something fundamental Yes. Uh, about them. Um, yeah. So, so if we're in a, a team dynamic and, and I see you not doing something, I'm going to say, well, it's just because you're the kind of person who flakes out and stuff. Yeah. Uh, whereas if I don't do something, I'm going to say, well, it's because I have all these other reasons. Yeah, and... I was really busy or mm. because that other project deadlines were coming up mm. or I didn't have the right information. We absolutely do that. And it's so natural. It's yeah. so natural. So I think there is the part of what you're doing there is is helping someone else to see the whole person uh, of the other person they're dealing with in, in mm-hmm. part, and also helping them to see the 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 team itself, the dynamic of the team, the system mm-hmm. within which they work, as an active component yeah. of, of the behaviours. So it isn't just this person in a vacuum chooses to behave a certain way. It's exactly. we as a team constitute a, an entity and mm-hmm. and it seems that what you're doing is helping people to to recognize that mm-hmm. well and it's you know if i think about it just kind of switching topics on you but it's a similar thing with why the sort of tagline in hr and learning and development and these kinds of roles are people join companies and they leave managers mm. now that's not necessarily 100 percent true but the the concept being um they don't, they don't leave because of these big corporate-wide things. They leave because they don't feel valued. They leave because they think they're being taken advantage of. They leave, you know, everyone says, oh, well, I got offered 5,000 more somewhere else. That's not actually why you're leaving, though. You're leaving because you think you've been taken advantage of, that actually you should have gotten 5K more here. That's, that's you know what I mean? So it's that, that dynamic of let's, let's bring it to the surface and be conscious about it rather than it just tutting along and, and everyone kind of accepting that it's just that's the way things are because they don't have to be they, they really don't have to be okay and so it's I think it's quite easy to see how this uh, connects to the the main purpose of your work as we've discovered which is love um, and, mm. and people loving what they do and and I suppose the the obvious first question um, is you know I I put this in the context of work is a thing you have to do. Mm. Okay, if we put it in that context, the you have to work, you've got to pay the bills, you have to earn mm. a living. Um, why is it important in that context that you love what you do? Why can't people just do what they're paid to do? 
and stop being moany and, and whingy <laughs> and just just get on with it just you know grow up and go and go get, get down the mine and start <laughs> digging and you know when i was your age i had to walk 50 miles to school yeah my grandpa's yeah, season yeah. yeah yeah so so why why, why should, is this is this a first world um sort of pretentious kind of concept of oh why I don't want to do any job that I don't love and I'm going to sit <laughs> sit here and drink my latte and, and wait for a job I love. Is is this is this um is this what this is about? I mean tell me what why should people love what they do? Why is it important? It's a oh it's such a big question. So you're gonna have to pull me in as I start rambling because mm. I can guarantee you it's gonna happen. Um it's just some kind of ramble ramble <laughs> alert sound, a bell or something. Yeah, sort. exactly. Or just do like a bird noise maybe, that would be fine. Where is it? Pretend garden. Yeah, yeah, perfect. There perfect. you go. So <laughs> we're just start unpacking that one. So the first thing I would say is I'm actually very careful to say and I, now, now you're like you're you're all over the map. It's like I'm a politician now. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually careful to say you don't necessarily have to love what you do. You don't necessarily have to have the dream job, the dream industry, the dream role, the dream title, the dream salary. Mm. But if you don't have those things, that has to be a conscious choice. I am choosing not to go after the things I love because of. Uh, because this job allows me to work the hours I need for my kids, because this job gives me the money and time to care for my sick parent, because this job gives me um, the, you know, what, whatever that thing is. But it has to be a conscious choice or it will make you miserable. Mm. Um, and if it's a conscious choice, then you have to, and, and I'm, now I'm going back into the land of idealism, but you have to pra actively practice gratitude or you will become miserable. So you have to actively practice like, yes, I don't love that place, but it allows me to do this thing that I love. And so I'm so grateful to that job for allowing me to do this thing. So whatever, dog shows or knitting or, or holidays, <laughs> or you, you have to actively be conscious about it. Okay, so that's that's interesting. And um, and to, just to go to the, the question of, uh, yeah. of not having to, so what you're saying is that it's okay not to love what you do, but it's a problem if you're miserable. It's it's the problem if you're miserable, and and even more so, it's the problem if you're miserable and don't know why. And and I think we have, I think we have an obligation actually not to be miserable. And Ooh. I know I know people will be like roll their eyes and be like, okay, Canadian. But <laughs> the thing is, we are social creatures. And when, when you are miserable next to another human, they pick up on that. And that's not me being some hippie. That, that, is, that is like mirror neurons. Is this, this, this is science. This is, yeah, yeah, this is not me just saying, oh, wouldn't it be fun if the whole world held hands and we got rid of all the guns? And, and... No, this is, this is absolutely the impact that humans have when they're in proximity to each other. And so one of my biggest frustrations, and, um, and I get it, I get to be an armchair parent because I don't have kids, so I get that I'm about to infuriate people, but... Yeah, if you're a parent you know, listening to this right yeah, now... Yeah, just feel free to just, you know, hate me or think I don't know what I'm talking well, about. Just okay. care, how long would they need to mute for? <laughs> yeah, um, you, give, me, give me 30 seconds. And then, mute and then... for 30 seconds and come back, okay? Go. So the amount of uh, wonderful, amazing adults that I work with who have children and say, I can't, I can't leave this job, because I have to, um, you know, I have to pay for things for my children. I have to provide for my children. And I agree with that. Like, I so agree with that. And here's what else they need to know. Studies have shown that it is actually not the hours you work that have a negative impact on your child. It is how much you love or hate your job. 
So when you come home, even if it's just nine to five and you don't have to work overtime and it allows you to have time with your kids, when you come home miserable about it and hate what you do and, 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 and regularly give that vibe that work is this terrible thing that sucks and it's just shit, that has a much more detrimental impact on your child than if you do something that makes you happy. And, and you know, I, we can argue about that for hours, and so I won't take us down that tangent. But the point is, we have an impact on the people around us, our children, our spouses, our neighbors, our friends. And we have an obligation to not make their lives shittier by pure being around us. Okay. So, so I mean, this, this makes absolute sense. And I think, actually, any parent hearing that would probably uh, agree, um, because I think... Even if even if you're not a parent, I think if you if there's anyone in your home, uh, your your spouse or significant other of any kind, or mm. or even your housemates or your friends, um, if you are miserable in what you do, you're not likely to be a great husband or wife Absolutely. or or a great uh, um, friend, um, because it's very difficult to carry around that burden. Of uh, of unhappiness, but I'm going to push back again on this because oh. okay, I am a hard nosed businessman, <laughs> and I just need my, need the work done. I don't care. Oh. Okay, you're miserable. Your kids are miserable. It's okay <laughs> because as long as you work hard enough, you can afford to pay for a therapist for them. Uh, it's all fine. Just shut up and go with your work. Why am I wrong? <laughs> well, to be fair. Um, the, the argument could be you're not wrong, but here's what, here's what that hard-nosed businessman needs to remember is, are you really watching your employees every second of every day? Are you seeing the emotional investment and discretionary effort mm. and, um, and just care that they put in? I mean, there's a reason why, and you can, you know, you can make fun of him if you want, but there's a reason why people like Richard Branson talk about it's not shareholders first, it's employees first, then cl- customers, then shareholders. Because if you have em- happy employees, engaged employees, productive employees, they will make your clients or your customers happy and it will result in shareholder value. Oversimplification, agreed. Mm-hmm. But the concept is actually, if you really think you're okay with having miserable workers, you're crazy. And, and here's what's even more important. There is so much evidence out there. Because um, people, because again, the pushback there is, well, I don't have thinking workers. I, have a, I, I own a factory. I own a manufacturing factory. I don't need them to be putting in extra effort or thinking that much harder. You're wrong, mate. <laughs> like, the best, the best, you know, um, Imp- continuous improvement ideas, mm. um, ways to cut costs, ways to be more productive come from the people on the line. Right. They come from that guy who's looking at it and just thinking, I could do this two times faster if they didn't have the conveyor belts 10 feet apart. Mm. Guess what, like CEO, you're not going to be on the floor noticing those things, but that person is. And so how much money, time, effort can they save you by being engaged, by caring, mm. by not hating going in there every day? Okay, so so what you're saying essentially is people don't have to love what they do, but of course being miserable is going to be a problem for you, and yep. you need to understand the causes of that. 
um, in order to correctly address it. Absolutely, yeah. Which I, I think is, is very reasonable. You're also saying that there is a human level obligation to everyone to try and be the happiest person you can be. Mm. Um, and I think that's a really interesting point. And I know when we spoke before, the, the question of uh, am I seeking to have a great job and a great career for my own benefit or am I mm. seeking to do so in order that I can be the best person I can be for everyone mm. else and it's an interesting if you if you look at it from that other perspective and say well you know what I could do a job I hated but I'd be I'd be leaving I'd be I'd be wasting a lot of my talent and therefore not giving the best of myself to mm. the world whilst I'm here which I think is a Absolutely. is is a very smart way of looking at it your obligation is to be the best you can be and that probably includes not being miserable and frustrated all the time and then of course the last point is that that people generally speaking even in jobs which you do not consider to be necessary knowledge work mm-hmm. are uh, are better at it more useful if they love what they do absolutely okay i think well i'm certainly and you're here preaching to the choir but <laughs> I, i'm i'm convinced by by this stuff and i hope that anyone listening uh who wasn't previously convinced that it's worthwhile caring about love in the workplace uh, by, by which I mean loving what you do not um, workplace affairs uh, which is fine as well I don't it you know fine. it's not it's not usually an intervention that I suggest to um, to companies I work with but but sure yeah I, you know, I don't judge <laughs> you're I don't in a judge. workshop you say I see some chemistry going on over here you, you too. Know, <laughs> interestingly, don't worry, I'm not about to suggest uh, affairs, but one of the big drivers for um, employee engagement, and anyone who's ever looked at a Gallup survey knows these ones, is is actually, do you have someone you'd consider a best friend at work? Now, I'm car- the caveat there is they don't mean best friend overall, like does someone you met in the last right. six months trump your friend that you've known since you were four years old? What they mean by that is what does a best friend imply? It implies trust, cooperation, and someone who's there for you and knows who you are. Mm. And do you have that at work? And it's a huge driver of people feeling, yeah, invested, like they care, like they want to stick around. That's fascinating. Um, Huge driver. Yeah, and I think the shame of it is actually a number of organizations actively discourage it. Mm. Um, And I, I... I understand why. That's the thing. Like, I, as much as I'm an idealist, I've grown up in big corporate. I mean, I get it. They, they have... <clears throat> targets they have to meet. They have, you know, they get the shit kicked out of them as well when they don't meet certain targets. And so I I get why these decisions are made. I just, they, they aren't the right ones, you know, mm. where I saw you talking to Joe in the lunchroom. Come on, mate. Like, I've got that deadline. What are you doing? That's, I, I get why that's said. I totally mm. understand it because, you know, one of the, one of the reasons why I like working with leaders is I feel for them. Mm. You know, I mean, every every book you read talks about how leaders make or break, you know, shitty leaders break companies and great ones build companies. And and it's so much pressure. And it's I'm going to I'm going to have to drop an F-bomb. It's fucking lonely. <laughs> you only it's one of those. lonely. Uh, <laughs> I, it. I used up my one and I'm happy. You've already it. halfway through your shits. So, um, yeah, I know. I know. So. I'm running out of words here. Uh, speaking of which, just I'm loving the fact that very occasionally you're dropping a mate. 
in there. And and that feels so strange with the Canadian accent all of a sudden, mate. It's, it comes well, it comes over. regularly makes fun of me. So. <laughs> it comes over almost, like almost Australian when you say it. Um, it doesn't sound like Cockney, mate. It sounds like, oh, good day, mate. Um, good day, mate. Uh, but no, actually, when you did that, that sounded Cockney. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't get accents right apparently. Or maybe I just can't. But then, if there's any Canadians listening to this, they're going to say my accent sounds weird because I it it does sound weird now that I've lived here. Well, there you go. Uh, what are you going to do? Yeah. Words. Anyway, um, <laughs> on after that that uh, that small small sidebar on on language and and the how many times you're allowed to say particular words on this podcast. Um, so the next question I think I think is is obviously my main thing is creativity, um, mm. and that's what I talk about most. And briefly, it'd be really interesting to think about why is being uh, happy at work, why is loving what you do important for uh for your for for creativity so my view on this is is sort of twofold so one is i i don't actually think loving what you do is necessarily um plays into creativity the the things that make you love what you do do play into creativity so what i mean by that is um do you feel like you can trust the people you work with? Do you feel like you have relationships at work? Do you feel like you get to use your skills and abilities at work? Um, do you feel valued? So these are all things that feed into do you love what you do? And those are also things that absolutely feed into do you feel like this is a safe enough space that you can bring up ideas, mm-hmm. that you can have this, you know, and I'm you're, feel free to jump in if I'm kind of looking at it the wrong way, but that you have that space to, um, you know, kind of stretch into I'm going to come up with a a suggestion and that's vulnerable yeah I agree entirely and the other side of that of course is is can you object um and can you criticize um Mm. uh, in a productive way I mean uh, I I recall once being in a in a workshop where I was was it was a meeting a team meeting and I remember being a bit sort of confused by a presentation someone had done and feeling like they'd kind of missed the point of what they were talking about and I sort of said this and not in a I didn't really say it aggressively but there was a collective intake of, yeah. of breath around there like ooh um, and um, and it's like everyone felt like I'd, I'd attacked someone it wasn't mm. a, a it wasn't a safe enough space in which you could you could uh, bring up objections and almost worse than that the boss uh, at the time at the end of it uh, said well um, you know Aaron's going to be talking later you can get him back then and he said oh. it he said it jokingly uh, as a way to cut the tension yeah I get I get that but but <laughs> it was like shit you've just oh I've used up your other shit um <laughs> Uh, damn, I've done it twice now. Oh, and the damn as well. Um, <laughs> although I think I think we get uh, eat as much as you like of the dams. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, what what got me there was this feeling that that in that environment, any form of criticism is seen as as an attack, is aggressive, yeah. um, and and then of course you can't. So a in an unsafe place where people don't trust each other. Um, you're absolutely right in saying that people are not going to push themselves out of their safety zone um, but also you won't feel able to criticize openly and sometimes have a really big argument 
you know, some of the best creative teams might go home on a Friday evening having just really ripped into each other and really pissed off with each other. They come back in on Monday and go, all right, that was, uh, it was important we did that. Mm. Um, now let's get on with this because I think we made some good points and let's forgive each other for the, for the angry words. Yeah. Whereas in an unsafe space where you can't um, trust people, any kind of anger, which mm. sometimes happens, will turn into sort of festering uh, resentment and um, and 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 feeling of guilt and alienation. You know, you need to be able to um, verbally, occasionally verbally assault someone and know that they'll forgive you. Um, mm. I think you know in 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 very in very dynamically creative environments. I'm not saying that's the best way of doing it. What I'm saying is that happens. No, and I think I think there's something. So when we when we talk about. Well, when I talk, and, and most of my peers in this kind of field, when we talk about team dynamics, one of the first things we talk about, and every corporate rolls their eyes, but we talk about trust. And why we do that is because the other stuff just doesn't happen. I mean, I can sit here and talk until I'm blue in the face about how the other important things, and this is what corporates go, like nod and go, yeah, yeah, absolutely, is accountability, um, productive conflict, results, pulling together for results. They all go, yeah, I want those things. And I'm like, right, you can't have those things unless you have a team that trusts each other. Those things don't happen without that. Um, and it's exactly what you're saying. If you can't trust that we're in this for the right reasons, I'm critiquing that idea, that concept, that whatever, for the right reasons, not because I have an agenda, not because I'm being political, not because I'm trying to show myself in a different, no, because I want the best solution. Mm then that's a very, very different dynamic and so much easier to clean up afterwards if it does kind of come across the wrong way then I know he's out for himself, I know she's out for herself, I know he's just trying to avoid the boss. I know, you know, it's, mm. it's, a, it's just even a different feel in the room when you walk in. Absolutely, and I think some of the ways we see this sometimes is in, so, so the, you remember the infamous um, Jonathan Ross and Russell Brand uh, mm. um, uh, Sachs, I forget his first name, um, where they, they called him up and left an answer phone message um, uh, saying rather rude things about his daughter. And this was broadcast on the radio. And, and this is a horrible thing to do. Right? This was mm. beyond the pale. They should not have done it. Mm -hmm. But one of the arguments I remember hearing afterwards was that as comedians and creatives, what they were essentially doing there was they were they were allowing themselves to go in that direction. They weren't censoring themselves. And the point is that you're supposed to have a producer there uh, and an editor and you've got someone saying, right, okay, bring it back a little bit. Uh, because unless you feel safe enough to sometimes go beyond mm. the boundaries, mm. and you will occasionally, if you're pushing the boundaries, occasionally you will go beyond them. And you've yep. got to be able to say, okay, in that moment, um, I was in the flow, I was enjoying myself, I wasn't thinking about this other aspect, um, and I went too far. And mm. that's going to happen if you are in a very creative flow, and then you do need, um, A, the trust of the room and the group to say, well, we know that you're not a terrible person. Yeah, we um, knew your intentions were, were in the right place. And we know you made a mistake and we forgive you for that. And, mm. and you, so you need to have trust in both directions. I need to trust that people are not going to judge me if I do go a little bit too far. Otherwise, I'm going to be restraining myself and yeah. in doing so, missing out on opportunities. And of course, they need to uh, need to believe um, that I'm, I'm not necessarily the worst person in the world if I do 
breaks and rules. Mm. And so they, I think when you see very creative scenarios like improvisational comedy, um, you will get occasionally a joke that strays mm. the wrong side of the line. Um, and you can't have a world in which you crucify people for that. Uh, because then, of course, there is no there's no space for experimentation. Yeah, absolutely. Originally, I started that answer with saying twofold, and my second oh, yes. fold <laughs> is super easy. Don't worry, and quick is look. You're not going to come up with. You're not going to be creative if you don't like it. I mean, that's just why would you be? Yeah. Like it, it's. I know it's <laughs> a little bit oversimplified kind of thing, but and again, it's it's everyone from someone who works in a shop to the factory worker to the binman to the knowledge worker to the CEO. If you don't care you're not going to come up with suggestions why on earth would you that's interesting i'm gonna i'm gonna agree and caveat that with a point go for it so the first point i think i I agree that someone who loves what they do is invested in what they do is likely to improve what they do because they care about it and therefore they'll be looking for opportunities to go a step further and, and create more value but there is the flip side of that is somebody who hates what they do might be very motivated to find ways to do it less um, and that person might be very creative in coming up with uh, mm. with shortcuts. Um, the kind of the the smart lazy person um, <laughs> is, is, the, is what They're I've heard. Of... To change the world, aren't well, yeah, they? The, the, you know, the guy who said, "You know what? I hate farming. If only there was a way that something else could till this field instead of me," <laughs> might have been the guy who first said, "Hey, that that big uh, big cow thing over there. Could I not attach this to?" to him and you know he'll pull the, um so so maybe there is a so perhaps there is um you have I love to, that. you I either love need to love. love what you do or you need to love just being clever um well, here's, here's the the last i'm gonna caveat yours now Ooh, where's the caveat <laughs> this, this inception is specifically, yeah, it's a hall of mirrors at this point and this message is specifically for those sort of leaders and hard-nosed business people is what we find with, you know, if I take employee engagement as a metric, and that is just people who care and give discretionary effort, that's really all it means. Yeah. What we find is um, very, very small percentage of people are actively disengaged. And actively disengaged people are the ones who are angry, right? Who are like, this is shit. Oh, I think that was my fifth one. Anyways, yeah, this, this is I'm not sorry, good. you've gone way too far. Yeah. <laughs> I have to get so some funny. kind of coin <laughs> jar, swear jar for you. Um. You know, they're the ones who want things, you know, they care in an opposite spectrum. Mm. And the, the scary thing is the bulk of people are merely disengaged and disengaged is actually just not caring. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a scarier place because they're probably not going to come up with suggestions because they, they can't be bothered. Mm, and, yeah. and and I get it. That's not a critique on that individual. I understand when you're not, you know, anyways, I, I won't go on about employee engagement, but but that's, that's the thing that that hard-nosed business person needs to understand is actually having angry people, that's good. They Anger care. is good, yeah. They, they care. They're invested. I it's agree. The, it, it, that's not the opposite of love. You know, the opposite of loving your job is actually, is, is just... Um, what would be a fancy word for not caring? Help me out here, Aaron. D- disinterest? Apathy? Apathy. That's ennui? Apathy um. and ennui. Those are the two I want. There you go. That's, that's scary. That's yeah. scary. Do you know what? I'm, I'm entirely with you. And, and interestingly, um, the person who hates what's happening um, is, uh, is very difficult to deal with from a manager's perspective. They take a lot of time, but but they are potentially a gold mine. Mm. But um, what tends to happen 
is they are a problem. They're seen as a problem. Mm-hmm. And then they are uh, shifted away. They're put on performance improvement uh, reviews yeah. and, and given uh, treated as if they are the problem. Mm. Um, and of course which only makes them more angry and you get to a point where you've you've essentially there is a tipping point I suppose where someone is so angry about what's going on they're either if you treat them in the right way they could become a, a real champion and, and, mm. and improve the world or you can treat them in the wrong way and they become someone you need to get rid of as quickly as yes. possible and it's interesting because the flip side is also true you know what I hear <laughs> I'm such a oh I'm not very good in L&D because I think I'm too annoying. But, <laughs> you know, when I hear these managers say, I really want a team of all high potentials, high engaged. I was like, no, you don't, mate. <laughs> There's my Australian again. No, you mate. don't because they are high potential people are amazing and the most high maintenance of any employee group because they're mm. invested. They're really clever. They're really switched on. They feel empowered. They want to make a difference. They, you know, they're they're not going to leave you alone. Mm. <laughs> they're, oh, absolutely. They're, they're a great group. And they take a lot of work. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. Okay. So, final question. Yes. Final question. The question. The big question. Yes. Uh, What is, in your opinion, hard, not complicated, about loving what you do? Mm, I'm going to practice being concise. Let's see how I do. Well done. Mm. You realize that's already a preamble, though. (laughs) I know, I fail. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) It's like people who say the phrase, without further ado. (laughs) That is further ado. What you've just said there is is the ado that you just promised not to have any further of. I'm going to be concise. I promise I really will. I'm going to do it. Um, So, hard, not complicated about loving what you do, loving your job. So, oh, there's so many things I could say, but I'm going to pick one. And it's true of leaders and individuals and and teams even. Mm. What is hard, not complicated, is asking for what you need. And um, it sounds like a bumper sticker and it sounds oversimplified, but the amount, the sheer volume of times I see people you know, in my my one-to-one coaching who are so fed up, so miserable, so in such a dire straits with the work they do and their relationship with their boss and their company. And, and when I say, have you, have you asked for what you need? Have you asked for that raise? Well, no, like, right. Okay. And I understand why they haven't, right? Because it's not, it's not lack of bravery or lack of courage or any of these types of things. You know, there's other, there's other factors, but the same with teams, we start to make up these stories about what we can't have, what we're not entitled to, what won't be given to us. And we don't just ask for what we need. And the answer might be no. You know, it might be. But to just ask that question opens up a world of resources and help and uh, development and growth and relationship and connection. Um, and it takes balls and it's hard. Right. For, for everyone involved. Teams, individuals, CEOs, whatever. Um, and it's so hard um, and so not complicated. And I think, and one of my, I, I, one of my big pieces of advice. So when, when I have, uh, you know, if I think about the individual type work, the one-to-one stuff, when they're like, right, I want to quit my job. If if you cannot answer that questions five wise deep, <laughs> and I'll explain why, then then you you actually don't know what you want. So I want to quit my job. Why? My boss doesn't like me. Okay, why does that matter to you? Well, because I really need a relationship with my boss. Why? What does that give you? And so if you can't like get at least five questions deep into that trail, 
you're actually not clear on what you want yet. So there's some more reflection to be done there. There's some more like whatever, find a journal, like talk to a friend, a spouse, whatever, but get very clear on like why. What is it that you truly want? Mm. And and will will the thing you're asking for, exactly what you said, will that actually give it to you? Mm. I agree that the reflection is, is so hard. And um, and certainly it is very much not complicated. Yet people do complicate it. Um, so <laughs> yeah. pe- people feel like they need to uh, uh, to to read huge self help manuals uh, to understand yeah. themselves better, um, rather than sit and think quietly mm. for for an hour or so, which is really hard because it's mm. horrible sitting and thinking. Uh, quietly for an hour or so because you won't, may not like all the things you think. There's so many things we could go into and I think the, the one last thing I'd throw out there mm. is let's say you do some reflection, you do some introspection, it's uncomfortable. The the other side of that is like fact check yourself man, like the mm. amount of people who these stories that they have about work, their boss, their job, their value that have now become fact. Mm. So my boss doesn't like me, okay. Cool. Okay. So can you be 100% certain that is true? 100% certain. No shadow of a doubt that that is true. Well, well, like, no. Okay. And the second side to that is, and how do you act around your boss when you believe that to be true, when that's now fact for you? And the more we can fact check our stories, because there's an element of truth in them all. In fact, your boss probably doesn't like you. Who knows? (laughs) Right? But fact check them and just get really clear on and what is that, how does that make me behave? Um, There's like, there's so much cool stuff that people can get out of that. Just don't fact, like fact check it. Come on. You have that belief for a reason. That's fine. There's an element of truth, but fact check it. That's awesome. That's a really useful, and that comes from the last thing. What can people really do? If, uh, if uh, ask for what you want requires you to A, be really clear um, to yourself what it is you need mm. and secondly to to not just rely on your assumptions mm. and possibly erroneous stories you've been telling yourself for many many mm. years so so think a bit and check that you're right about mm-hmm. these things when you when you have these insights I think those are both very very not complicated mm. uh, things that people can do which I, I hope all our listeners will uh, <laughs> will will take take in uh, take to heart. I think this has been a very useful conversation. It has been about mm. twice as long as we originally intended, but that oh. is basically normal. Um, <laughs> and, uh, of course, see, you should have used the bird noise a little more with I me. Should have. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I gave you permission. You could I have did. Gone. I did. You know what it was? <laughs> I, I I lost faith in the bird noise. It didn't. It was. It was. I should have gone with something softer, like "coo." Yeah, yeah. like because so, because the that could be annoying to people. Uh, listening to this on on maybe low quality headphones perhaps and and they get a very sort of harsh sort of noise and it's not very pleasant all right but, we'll do the dove sound next time then ooh, ooh. <laughs> like. yeah um then again there is there is a worry that that my reputation as a serious uh, entrepreneur businessman and and coach and facilitator could be could be damaged by by people hearing me making weird animal noises yeah, the best entrepreneurs have a bit of fun. Yeah, making your thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm the I'm the animal noises guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I may not make that my thing. Um, yeah, we'll see. It's an option. Anyway. It's a thing. 
<laughs> well, this has been awesome. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Oh, um, me too, Aaron. Thanks so much. It's been a lot of fun. And yeah, well, it's it's been great fun. And I'm sure that we will speak to you again here on the Hard Not Complicated podcast because you clearly have a lot to contribute. Um, and where can people find you? There are people listening. They're like, hey, this this Canadian person with, <laughs> with, with, with an accent that's kind of Canadian who sounds a bit Australian when she <laughs> says mate. Um uh, and swears like a trooper where can i where can i find out more about her and and where can i where can i employ her and get her to come and help me love what i do so best place to find me right now is uh email and my website i'm on facebook and instagram as well all under light up work so lightupwork.com uh and word. My- all one word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted something that I wouldn't mess up, let alone the people I'm working with. Uh, and my email is jess at lightupwork.com. And I'd love to hear from people. So there you go. Let Jess know if she can shoot her arrow of, <laughs> of, of employee satisfaction into your ear and, uh, and and have it burst in your brain like a, like a, like a kaleidoscopic uh, um, thunderstorm of, of joy. Um, <laughs> in your in your work lobe oh, i'm um, gonna have to use that Aaron. i like that <laughs> i might that could be my thing what i'll do is i'll start giving people the most bizarre um uh linkedin uh references um <laughs> well i would expect nothing less from the best creativity coach i know well there you go how many no i'm not gonna go there um <laughs> so there you go that this has been wonderful thank you so much for for your time and well we will we will meet again we will talk sure. again soon. I never sure. know how to do endings for these things. You may notice that. I keep going. <laughs> All I right. Don't... Well, let's tell you what. I'm going to say sayonara, and I'm going to hang up on you. How's that sound? Jerry Bob. All right. Sayonara. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. So that was the Hard Not Complicated podcast for this week. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. There's a lot of good stuff in there. Remember to do the exercise at the start. Um, and as... You learned during that, uh, that I think, quite fascinating interview. Try and be happy. Um, it is important. It's not self-indulgent. It matters to the people around you. It makes a difference to their lives. So if you're not happy, you know, do something about it. Make a choice. And uh, use the five wise exercise to help you understand what it is you really need. I have been Aaron Reese. I hope you've enjoyed this. And... We'll see you again very shortly. If you'd like to know more about what Sabertooth Panda does and what I do, then you can go to sabertoothpanda.com. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, creativity is hard, not complicated. <laughs>